0: It's Mackling and McGarry. We are on location once again at the Manitoba Open,
1: Southwood Golf and Country Club, day two slash day one. <laughs> yes. Day one revisited in a, in a manner of speaking. The golfers did not get on the course yesterday as much as they tried, as much as we heard that that would happen regardless. Uh, it just was not in the cards. A lot of rain fell yesterday. A lot of rain fell earlier in the week and the course was clearly too wet to play we've got overcast skies this morning it's muggy it's damp and as far as i know we're getting underway on time this morning yeah
0: so. they're set to go at 7 30 by the way on-site producer tyson can you boost my headphones a little bit sorry to do this live keep going keep going Okay, sorry. We Logger. I thought we had I thought we were good, but I couldn't hear Greg at all in the in the headphones there. So, uh, hey, it's a, it's only the second time we've done something like this, yeah, since the before times. So uh, we're sort of figuring it out as we go. And many thanks once again to engineer Mike, who was here I think from 4 a.m. yesterday till 6:30 p.m uh so yeah he puts in some long hours well he was already
1: here when we showed up here yeah this morning we are outside on the beautiful patio at southwood golf and country club so we're outside it's a it's also a little bit chilly at 18 degrees so we've got jackets on and dare i mention the the uh you know mcnab isn't here but we're joined by another m (laughs) (laughs) mosquitoes
0: Yeah. yeah i brought sunblock in case we need sunblock or sunscreen at some point but uh, I failed to bring bug spray and they're, they're bad this morning. They're pretty bad uh, where we are located. But uh, we're told that they're not bad out on the golf course because it's so open out there. So hopefully no problems for the golfers once they hit the tee box at 730. So lots to discuss this morning on that at 635. We're going to meet the tournament chair. For the Manitoba Open, and then at 8:35 we're going to revisit with the True North Youth Foundation. Of course, the event is in support of that foundation, and then another, a different kind of golf at 7:50, Mr. Mackling. And this just was this was pure coincidence. There wasn't I didn't go looking for more golf stuff because of what we're doing. Uh, but Pete's grand putt. In Grand Beach reached out to us they're having an event tomorrow that just sounds like a ton of fun it's already sold out but I still think it's worth mentioning um just because of the number of people participating and the it just sounds like a fun goofy colorful event and uh why not highlight something great happening in uh Grand Beach
1: miniature golf or putt-putt what do you what do you call it mini golf yeah oh mini golf oh there you go i forgot about that iteration (laughs) we were talking about that with the kids the other day because uh in the states they tend to call it putt-putt i think and versus miniature golf so uh yeah mini golf that's i have memories of playing mini golf up in grand marais so uh yeah yeah, so long time ago but uh, I look forward to uh, learning more about what's going on up there in Grand Beach this weekend. It'll be uh, fantastic. And uh, here's a statistical ano- anomaly uh, of the morning: we have five guests this morning. Okay, two of them are named Brett. <laughs> <laughs> That's like sincerely, what are the what are the chances of that? I haven't had a chance to get to the statistics calculator to figure that out uh at this point this morning i don't know what percentage of the population has the name brett anyway the point is three brett's on one show four hours of radio i think this is unprecedented
0: it might it just might be because we never have anybody named Brett on the show other <laughs> than me. We got lots of Gregs yesterday. We spoke to Greg Carlson, who is the official scorekeeper for the Manitoba Open, so it's not uncommon to get Greggs on the show, but not, never mind one, Brett, but two in one day, and then, as you pointed out, the third. That's me, Brett Stephen McGarry. <laughs> Or as Eve likes to say, I call
1: BS on that. (laughs) Every once in a while, I will address a text message or an email in a fun fashion to Brett McGarry as BS. Because it's just fun. And uh, we run out of things to call one another. So that's just uh, one, what what do you call it? One uh, arrow in my quiver. (laughs) So, coming up
0: we this morning, we have stuff to give away. We have a family four-pack of tickets and treats to see Gulliver Returns at Landmark Cinemas. We'll do that in the 8 o'clock hour and the 9 o'clock hour. We've got two tickets for Celebrations Dinner Theatres, Ships Creek, which runs until September 4th. Oh, And you know what? i got a just a quick reminder here that Ooh, we have the online contest, that's Total right. Flooring, where you go to cjob.com. Our friends at Total Flooring, they're commemorating their one-year anniversary, and to celebrate... We're running the contest at CJOB.com where you can enter to win a $1,000 total flooring gift card and floor seats to see Michael Bublé in concert October 7th at Canada Life Centre. So go to CJOB.com. We're going to announce the winner on August 29th.
1: Earlier this morning, I was swatting mosquitoes and I was reminiscing about Eddie Vedder on stage Pearl Jam at SunFest 93 complaining about the mosquitoes. (laughs) He used some very colourful language. I won't use it on the air, but uh, we're live, we're on location, we're outside, and quite frankly, I don't know if we could be any happier, Brett. It's
0: Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today, live once again at Southwood Golf and Country Club for the Manitoba Open, the Centreport Canada Rail Park Manitoba Open. We're just here today. We were here all day yesterday, 680 CJOB. Our friends at Power 97 are here as well, uh, from Jay, Nick, and Vic. Question of the day at CJOB.com for credit aid. Worried about your dad? Call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. And we were talking, Greg, last half hour about the rain and the record, and that's the question. Winnipeg has broken its rainfall record, as in we've had the most precipitation to this point in the year. Uh, have you had to deal with any water-related issues in your home? Seventeen percent say yes. Basement flooding, fourteen percent foundation problems, seven percent roof damage. Sixty-three percent uh, say no. Don't jinx
1: it. So, well, what do you mean? There's superstitious people out there like me who just don't want to talk about it if it hasn't happened so far. I can't imagine that. <laughs> so you can still
0: cast your vote on that at cjob.com. But right now, we want to say hello.
1: Greg, to the tournament chair. Yeah, let's say good morning. Let's say good morning to Neil Taylor. He is also the vice president here at Southwood. What a beautiful facility, Neil. And thank you for having us out here. It's been an incredible couple of days. I know yesterday didn't exactly go as we had planned, but let's jump to this morning. Yes, it's overcast, but we see blue sky to the north here. Are we a go for 7.30?
2: Well, first of all, thank you both for being here. We really appreciate having you out at Southwood, and we are 100% a go for 7.30. As I sit here on our patio with you, I look out, and I can see the players already out on the putting green, uh, practicing, getting ready to go. Uh, We did a ride-through this morning, and I have to tell you, our our ground crew has done an amazing job. I, I mean, you've been reporting... So well, on what the weather's been like over the last day or so. They have been out, uh, they, they started last night when we all left, and they have been going all night long. And uh, they've wow. been bringing in former greenskeepers from here and uh, volunteers, and we've had. Uh, We've had courses around the city lend us pumps all day yesterday. We had 10 pumps brought in from other courses just wanting to make sure that the Antiple Golf community was supported through this tournament. That's the sort of community it is, and they've been working all day. The course is looking good. I did a ride through this morning with our tournament officials, and, uh, you know, it's a little wet. I mean, if you're coming out, you want to wear your you know you want to wear the shoes that might have a little waterproofing in but it's going to be a beautiful day and I, we're going to hit the ball at 7 30 super excited
0: yeah so the as far as yesterday goes uh the early in the morning we were hearing that uh it looked like it was going to be okay uh that there seemed to be some confidence that they'd be able to to get out so it was it just that like it was it the, the the sand traps that were too full was it the fairways was it just all of it
2: it was all of it um you know, one of the things was, you know, when we came, you know, when I drove out yesterday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning or something, I did, didn't even need my headlights on because there was so much lightning going and the <laughs> water was over top of the uh, the curbs, but then it just kind of kept raining and it uh, kept building up and, you know, the course does drain very well, but the water just kept coming and, I mean, the the issue was a couple of things. First, the bunkers, uh, a lot of the water drains through the bunkers and, the the puddles got so high in there that it just would become unfair for tournament golf to try to play in that and also you know players are entitled to a drop off casual water well i think you would have had to you know find a place in saint patel keep walking before you could find a spot that was dry enough to drop your ball yesterday um so you know it was a combination of those types of things and you know i think for you know hackers like me You know, they might have opened the course and I could have gone out and, you know, kicked my ball over or, you know, that sort of stuff. But to play at this level, um, you know, tournament professional golf, there's a a level of standard they need to hit. And it just wouldn't have been good fair playing conditions yesterday.
1: That's the voice of tournament chair, Neil Taylor, who quite confidently told us he wasn't humorous in any way before we put the headphones on him this morning I like that call with regard to St. Patel because it just paints the picture of, you mentioned tournament golf, there's obviously a standard of play, this is one of the key stops, one of the flagship if not the flagship stop on the Canadian uh, PGA Tour Neil, and so obviously you don't want to put on a tournament at anything less than optimal conditions the best that they can be, but you don't do that without extraordinary people the people of winnipeg are very special when it comes to these events we just came through focal rama two weeks of it we have all sorts of events and then you have your own crew of volunteers here extra special folks
2: uh very very much so i mean we're really blessed i mean when you when you pull a tournament like this together you want to make sure you know you have a good purpose you want to make sure you have great partners Great programming and great people—it's sort of the four P's of doing this. Um, you know, we've got 32 amazing sponsors that come forward and want to support. You know, they want to support great events in Winnipeg and the quality of life in Winnipeg. And you know, there's 40,000 golf courses around the world; 200 get to host a PGA Tour event, and they realize that's special for Manitoba, and they want to be able to to support that. Um, over 210 volunteers over 60 caddies that are out here today and we know how tough it has been for for other organizations and other events to have to to get volunteers this year and we're thrilled uh, we, you know we have a lot of members but a lot of people who aren't members and they just care about golf they care about the the charity and what uh you know what this does for the city so you know, and, you know, without all of them, you know, sponsors, partners, our, our friends at True North Youth Foundation and, and uh, True North Sports and Entertainment have been so, um, so helpful, and all of our volunteers, PGA Tour people, the staff at Southwood is, that have been doing this job on top of their real job, you know, it just doesn't come together.
0: You mentioned uh, the power of golf and charity, and that's a great point because I've actually, for the last couple of weeks, I've run into roadblock after roadblock of trying to just book tee times at so many golf courses because there are so many charity tournaments happening and when you think about that like golf is a it's not just a game for guys. guy you called yourself a hacker i am in the same club it's not just for guys like us to go out and goof off and have fun like this game prov- provides so much help support money for so many great organizations
2: yeah, I, absolutely, and you know the there's a couple of things. I mean, first it it's an amazing game because you know it's something that you can play with your grandson. You can play with your grandfather. I mean, it's pretty hard to go out and play touch football with grandpa, but you know you can go and you can golf. You can have a great day, and it's such a great social. Uh, type of sport and I know we've been full, you know, all the, you wondered whether all the charity tournaments were going to come back and all of those types of things after COVID because once you kind of break that cycle, do they, but they're all back you know, and you know, this is it. you know, it's a lot of the same people supporting the same events place to place to place because one of the things about, you know, the community here is you know, we're not so big of a city that you can sort of go oh well somebody else will do that you know, people realize, you know, we're, we help each other. So, you know, you come to my tournament, and then I'm happy to come to your tournament. And it's uh, it, it's really a tremendous uh, community for that. And, uh, you know, the amount of great things that done, awareness to causes and, and money it's raised through golf and through other sports, um, you know, is really tremendous. Great to see it all coming back
1: well thanks for bringing us behind the scenes neil thanks for your work the work of your group Uh, it's uh wonderful and it's an honor to be here with you uh it's an honor to have you thanks guys
0: neil taylor is the tournament chair for the manitoba open and vice president of southwood golf and country club which is where we are broadcasting from live on 680 cjob Mackling and McGarry, we quit. No, we don't. But here's what, after Global News at 7 o'clock, we're going to talk about uh, an emerging trend. It's a discussion we've had before, but I've never actually heard it it put this way. Something called quiet quitting, changing work habits in Canada. So we're looking forward to sharing that story with you. But as the launch pad, we're going to talk about quitting your job. You ever quit a job in
1: spectacular fashion, Mackling? I don't know if it was spectacular. Uh... It was back in the 80s and uh you know spiked hair was sort of the thing it was just coming in i don't know if i did a really good job of it yeah i don't know if i had the proper hair product <laughs> but i showed up at work one day and my boss suggested that either i quote unquote fix my hair or i would be going home for the night yeah
3: so
0: by I
1: fixing
3: your hair did you have the frosted tips Is that what he meant
1: no frosted <laughs> tips my hair was blonde <laughs> enough for it, jay Anyway, I went into the change room. I put my clothes on, and I said, uh, I guess I'm leaving, and I'm not coming back. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I was ill-advised. It was not good. I was 16. It was dumb. Okay. Uh, would I do it over again? Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> so the, what we want to know is, if have you ever quit a job in like a way that was really satisfactory to you? Did you ever quit and wish that you had maybe done been a bit more dramatic maybe given the boss the what's for on the way out the door um or maybe if if like you you don't have anything like that maybe you've got a situation where you saw it happen in your workplace or one of your colleagues quit and ended up screwing you right or screwing up the operation that never happens come on uh so feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868 but let's go around the horn here let's start with jeff braun what you got for us jeff well, I, I've not quit a job since the 90s, and the ones I did quit back then, I have, literally have no recollection of. So it must not have been that big a deal. I uh, will say earlier this year, we had a colleague that quit and didn't give the two weeks notice, just like on a Friday out the door said goodbye and I'm not coming back. That screwed things up pretty good for a lot of us. I I got, I got to work a weekend shift that I had not done in quite a while to try and cover some of the holes that were missed because of that. So, yeah, that's a bad move. You got to give that notice. Come on. That's right. I, I forgot about that already. That that was a, a bit of a pain for that. Um, Ross Levitan filling in for Cam Poitras this morning in sports. What you got for us, Mr. Levitan?
3: Well, Jeff just opened up a, a bit of PTSD there that weekend, the 16-hour Saturday, 4 a.m. to 6 p.m., but... Uh, no, you know what? You said uh, maybe there, there was a time where you wish you'd done it. And for me, that would be so that I could have had something in this moment. But every time I've quit a job, it's just been uh, moving cities or whatnot. So no animosity, no great stories, unfortunately.
0: Oh, well, the PTSD comment was good stuff. Um, how many cities have you worked in, Ross?
3: Uh, born, raised in Ottawa, then moved to Halifax, Toronto, and now here I am.
0: Halifax? You remember the bat, the name of the Hal- the Halifax team, by the way, in the Winnipeg when the Winnipeg Thunder played. Windjammers, the Windjammers. That's right. Good memory And
3: Saskatoon.
1: Oh, the Slam Storm. Oh, gang.
0: <laughs> uh, Forte, what about you?
3: See, I have never quit in spectacular fashion. I've always given my two weeks, but I also haven't had that many jobs, so uh, that's yeah. that. Uh, But when I was working at Little Caesars, there was this one employee. He had only worked there for, like, three shifts. And, like, by, like, halfway through his third shift, he was like, you know what? I just don't feel like doing the same thing over and over again. So you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take off. <laughs> and he just left in the middle of the shift, and we're like, what is going on here? Like, just,
1: quit. just just left. Didn't I never imagined back. I would have to make more than one pizza in a night. I have what? to do this over and over again. I was like, kid, good luck in life.
3: What, what did he luck think in life? What did he think that? he would get to do at a
0: pizza restaurant like was he hoping to redesign the the interior or rewrite the no corporate idea. policy
3: but like any job you know it's you, you kind of do the same thing over and over again that's how you get experience you know <laughs> like I, I don't know what he plans on doing for a living so uh, good luck to him all right tyson what about you uh, when I I used to work for Superstore and uh, I gave my two weeks notice one time, but when I went to give my two weeks notice right before, I, I told him that I wouldn't be back. Uh, my boss let me know that I had locked uh, an older lady in the garden center, <laughs> and and so it was kind of like uh like uh it was it was kind of a weird conversation after that because he's telling I'm trying not to laugh and then trying to tell him that I'm giving my two weeks too, and it was just a whole it was. One of the most awkward conversations I think I've ever had in my life.
1: So you were trying to give your two weeks, and he was basically telling, "Well, you know what? You were going to be fired." Yeah, anyways.
3: it was it, it, it was kind of a it was almost like a mutual mutual breakup at that point. Oh, okay. <laughs> what How happened long... to the lady? Uh, th- sh- I, th- she's still there to this day.
0: I okay? <laughs> 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 think. the garden department. <laughs> um, I once. I used I've worked in a I don't haven't worked as many jobs as you have Mackling, but I've worked a few retail jobs for part time here and there back when I was also working at Taco Bell and um, I enjoyed it I, I always had fun working in retail and uh, I worked with this guy named Mark at a place called coliseum i don't know if you remember that store it was in the same company as international years yes. so we worked at uh the one at polo park it was on the second floor uh closer to the bay and um years later i needed a second job when i like a couple of years after i started working at cjob uh, just the uh, you know the the money the starting money it's not great and uh i i couldn't afford really to do anything so I, I figured I'll get a second job so I went and got this job at uh, bootlegger at Cudlonum Place because my friend Mark with whom I had worked at Coliseum years earlier he got he got me a job he actually went to bat and got me this job and I worked two shifts <gasps> and I said ah this is because the, the the manager was way more like buy the book you got to use the folding board to fold oh, t-shirts yes. and like, i don't i'm not doing that i can fold the t t-shirt just fine i don't need your stupid board and uh it just wasn't any fun and i thought i'm out <laughs>
1: And I, I felt so bad Poor
0: for Mark. for her because she you know invested time and money in in bringing me in and and felt bad for my friend so yeah but uh i didn't really feel much guilt after i sent in the note
1: I have to give a shout out to my friend Kevin. He had the best boss move when we were in sales together. Every Saturday, he would take the careers section out of the paper. He'd bring it to work on Monday, slap it down on the desk, and he'd leave it there right until Tuesday. So anytime our manager walked by, he would see the careers section and wonder, is Kevin making a big move this week? So there you go. If you want a boss move, that's the one.
0: Mackling and McGarry live from the Manitoba Open at Southwood Golf and Country Club. McNabb is off today. She'll be back on Monday. Um, some maybe were wondering, where would Loren go? Did she quit? No, she didn't quit. She's just taking a couple of days off. But we're asking you. She's slow quitting. 204-780-6868 if you got a story about quitting a job. And George says, my job quit me. Driving for a company that owed me $5,000 out in Edmonton. When they just closed the doors. But I had a pallet of tequila in the trailer in the trailer, so I sold it all and I got triple what they
1: owed me. George the Trucker, you shrewd dude. He's an entrepreneur as well. <laughs> which I always dig, right? You know, make the best of a bad situation, lemonade out of lemons. George did that in that case, right? So you, sometimes you just got to make the best of a bad situation, and George did that there. there. There's nothing worse than losing a job than when you really need it. But if you can uh, fashion your own your own uh, compensation package on the way out of the door and it's <laughs> triple what they owed you, that's good on you.
0: Well, with another listener weighing in saying after 12 hours worked, they told me to work another four hours. I lost it, just quit, and walked out. And um, I don't think I've ever been in that sort of situation where I was like, where I where. Oh no, you know what? There was one day where I was working. Ross mentioned that 16-hour day at the on the weekend. I think that did happen to me once, where I was just supposed to work an eight-hour shift, and it suddenly became. I think it ended up being twelve. Me and I was on the morning shift, and the evening person. We we came to a compromise where we met in the middle because the middle the midday person couldn't come in last second, so I was like, "Aw."
1: And you're not going to leave the radio station high and dry. No. Well, I think this goes back 13 14 years. I was filling in for Jeff Courier on the Nighthawk nine till midnight, and then of course by the time you get out of there and wind down, it's uh, one, two o'clock in the morning. Well, I actually did the Nighthawk from 9 till midnight, and then Richard Cloutier had an obligation the next day, and I did his show 9 till noon the next day. (laughs) Lizard Wallace was our boss at the time, and I opened the show with, well, I just kind of slept in the staff room last night, splashed some water on my face, and I'm (laughs) back at it. And at the break at 10 o'clock, he goes, did you really sleep here? I said, no, I
4: didn't really (laughs) sleep here.
1: (laughs) You had me convinced. That, c- I, that probably would have been the better move than what I did.
0: Oh, that old couch at that, in that building was terrible. Um, it did, I, I did actually have to take a nap on that once. I couldn't. It was awful. Smackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. Now, Greg, um, earlier this morning, you, you made a note, an observation, an astute observation, that we have a bit of a statistical anomaly, like maybe... We, we drove in yesterday through lightning into yes. the golf course, but it almost seems like the odds of this happening are even, I would say, even low or higher than getting struck by lightning. Which no? is, I think,
1: around 1 in 13 million or something crazy like that. Yes, of five guests that we have scheduled to join us today, two of them have the first name Brett. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, and that makes three. Brett McGarry. We say hello now to Brett our first Brett guest, Brett Chestley, owner of Pete's Grand Putt in Grand Beach. Brett, good morning to you, sir.
4: Good morning. Are they all spelt the same is my question.
0: B-R-E-T-T, that's right, because sometimes it's just one T. But uh, all three
4: of us, B-R-E-T-T.
1: Outstanding. And how often do you get called Brent, Brett, Chestley?
4: Uh, Often Often enough. And what really gets me is when it's put in email, if I send someone an email saying, from Brett, and then they reply, hi, Brent. That I don't understand, but I deal with it.
0: I've been working at CJOB for 18 years, Mr. Chesley, and I still have half of my colleagues still call me Brent. And it drives me insane. Just drives me insane. But anyway, um, so there's a really cool, fun event happening at Pete's Grand Pot in Grand Beach this weekend. We'll get to that in a minute, but if you're Brett, who's Pete? (laughs)
4: Pete, <laughs> that's a great question. And the fast, uh, the quick story is he's nothing more than an inflatable flamingo. Uh, he's our cabin mascot out at Grand Beach. Uh, we went to a party a few years ago dressed in a Margaritaville theme. We brought a, a pink flamingo with us, and then at night somebody wrote on him, Hi, my name is Pete. And we were trying to come up for a name for our golf course. We decided to uh, to take his namesake.
1: <laughs> that that's is extraordinary. Right. The best name questions involved. There, there had to be uh, alcohol involved, right, Brad?
4: A lot of alcohol involved and a couple of guests from Transcona as well, uh, including my wife. So that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the story. This is I was going to wonder.
1: I was going to ask, is there a Transcona link there? <laughs> so, Absolutely. Brett, there's been a, there's been a uh, miniature golf course in the Grand Marais for as long as I can remember. Is this a reincarnation of that or is this a brand new setup altogether? Well, funny enough, I I
4: would have thought the same. But that mini golf course in Grand Beach, Grand Marais, I grew up playing at, actually went out of business in early 2000s, and I would have sworn it was still there. Um, But a couple years, my wife and I uh, grew up going to to Grand Well I did, and my wife joined me later in in my years. And we drove up there about 10 years ago, realized it was gone, and then just over the last couple years, driving by it every day, we go, "Man, someone should open that again." And then. Everyone needed a COVID project, so we decided, hey, let's let's give it a shot. So we, we brought her back to life in 2020.
0: So you started an event in your uh, your first summer that you're doing again tomorrow. Tell us about the event.
4: Yeah, so last summer we were kind of just, you know, getting up and going and decided to try something fun by doing a golf tournament. So people think about tournaments, they don't often think about mini golf. And we turned it into this, this dress-up event for, for adults. Um, we ended up getting about 110 people uh, signed up and then, this year we partnered with a fantastic charity, Dreams Take Flight, and we've actually doubled our attendance. So last I checked, I think we had 220 people registered for the adults tournament, about 120 for the kids tournament, which is earlier in the day. Full dress-up event, so we got teams that are matched up, and yeah, it's going to be quite the spectacle. We ended up bringing about $4,500 for Dreams Take Flight, which we're very, very proud of.
1: Wow. As you ought to be. That's a fantastic number, Brett. And so, uh, uh, Brett McGarry, I don't know if you can adequately describe the tremendous costume you had for your laker classic team last week but just try and give us an idea of what that looked like and and just so others might have an idea of what these costumes might look like up at uh, pete's grandpa
0: well and mine was it was just a golf shirt but it was so colorful that it might as well have been uh, it, it could pass for a costume because my friend found these ridiculous shirts for our team, and it was purple and pink. And it was the, the primary image was a cowboy hat wearing cat, shooting yeah. rainbow laser beams out of its eyes, while it was riding uh, a Tyrannosaurus Rex unicorn that was breathing fire. And uh, they were in space, of course, of course. And, and there were euros floating around i don't know why uh so it was a wonderful shirt so that i was colorful enough just in that but what kind of costumes are people going to be wearing
4: i almost want to ask what your team name would be on that one but uh yeah i know we've got uh, last year we we stretched um all the way from people dressed up as elvis to a team that came in dressed up as the characters from happy gilmore Uh, We had pirates. We had superheroes. Uh, Looking down the team names this year, I don't even know what some of these people are going to show up as. I think we have a wrestling team. I think there's two of them here, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to kind of be all over the map. But it's quite last year we actually had people walk by and then stop to watch and then actually went home and got seats so they could sit outside the fence and watch this thing because it's just a spectacle. we got got 100 people in costume playing mini golf.
0: So it's a full event, but if somebody wants to do that, they want to come check it out and see what's going on, where do they find Pete's Grand
4: Pete's Grand Putt uh, physically is in Grand Marais, right in the corner of the business district. Uh, we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We do have a website. Uh, I think we actually have a TikTok now as well. Some of our staff have set up a really cool TikTok account. So this year's um, actual tournament is, is is actually sold out just by capacity, but we'll do this obviously every year. Maybe next year we'll make it a two-day event. And uh, if anyone wants to just come golf one day, you're always encouraged to dress up. And if you wear pink on Wednesdays, you get half price.
0: Brett Chesley, owner of Pete's Grand Putt in Grand Beach. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the heads up on this. This sounds like a lot of fun and Dreams Take Flight is a wonderful organization. They do a lot of great work for kids. Brett, thanks for joining us. <music> It's Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off today. The 9-1 and one Winnipeg Blue Bombers are on a well-earned bye week and sit atop the standings of the Canadian Football League. Another Winnipeg
1: football team is in action this weekend at IG Field. 1.30 Sunday afternoon, Brett Valor FC will welcome FC Edmonton to the pitch at IG Field. Valor finds itself in fifth place in the table. On the table, I'm not sure of the right uh, word there, but for non-soccer fans it's in the standings okay working hard to find its way into the top of the table which sees the top four teams in the canadian premier league get this separated by one point there is in fact a three-way tie for first place in the cpl our next guest is a former msl player with the vancouver whitecaps and less importantly our second guest of the morning (laughs) with the first name brett brett levis joins us now good morning brett
3: Good morning. Thanks for having
1: me. You bet. Great to have you. Thanks for, for your time. You and your team in the thick of it right now. Three points and a win would be huge for your playoff aspirations this coming Sunday. Comment on that if you would.
3: Yeah, just a really important uh, really important game. Obviously trying to pick up maximum points at home. And uh, we're really in, in crunch time. Nine games remaining. So like you said, there's, there's a lot of teams that are, are, are in the thick of it. And uh, every every point matters, especially at home now. These are
0: exciting times for Canadian soccer. The World Cup is on the horizon. Canada's men's soccer team finally qualifies at the top of the CONCACAF table. Uh, how did they do that?
3: I think it's just you know uh, a mix of a you know once in a generation. I, I know you've probably heard that. Um, you know you got players like Alfonso Davies, who I played with in Vancouver. Um, you know with his amazing climb through the ranks and going to one of the top clubs in the world. And, and you're seeing a lot more Canadian players playing in, in Europe and overseas. Um, and, and the more players you see playing in these top leagues, the, the more soccer is going to grow in Canada. And I think it all just kind of culminated into the, into the team we have now. And it's uh, it's just very exciting for Canadian soccer.
1: Brett Levi's is our... Uh guest this morning from the valor fc and let's build on that a little bit that idea of development brett you're from saskatoon we will not hold that against you but developing the the game on the local level is clearly critical it's something that's been going on for for years and years and and maybe talk about what that pathway does creating a pathway for kids to to play at the next level in manitoba in saskatchewan in new brunswick How, how important is that
3: it's extremely important um, for kids to be able to see that pathway is, is the biggest thing. Me growing up in, in a small city like Saskatoon and um, soccer being the, the, the sport of my choice, um, pathways were somewhat limited. Um, this was, again, you know, a number of years ago. I'm now 29, but the Canadian Premier League being in its third year, um, I, and you can already see the development of, of players. And, and Valor has a, an academy, uh, a player development academy, and um, it's just really important for these young players to see um, something that's very tangible now, uh, a professional league in Canada that they can attain, whether they go through the, the U sport university, whether they go through, you know, the, the local academy, but um, the, the jump is now a lot um, smaller and a lot more attainable, um, which is very exciting because I think you're going to see more and more young players come through the, the Canadian system and, and, and come to the Canadian Premier League and hopefully go on to bigger things.
0: Well, hopefully it's a win this weekend for Valor FC. One thirty Sunday afternoon, Valor versus FC Edmonton at IG Field. Brett Levi is from Valor FC. Thank you very much for joining us. Go get them on Sunday.
3: Thanks. Really appreciate it.
0: It's Mackling and McGarry. Before we say hello to our Friday guest, Mackling, this trophy that got dropped on our table seconds before we went to air at 8.35, uh, we didn't actually explain what is the President's Cup, not just the trophy,
1: but the competition. It's competition between Europe and North America. It held It's held every two years. I think it was in Charlotte, North Carolina last time around. And I think the 2023 uh, hasn't been determined yet, but it might be going to Montreal. Oh, wow. Uh, as I say that out loud, I'm just going to double check here. Uh, Montreal. Da, 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 da. It's been in Montreal in the past. Okay. It's an older event. The Ryder Cup is one that people get really excited about. I'm just reading it here off a website. President's Cup, series of men's and uh, golf matches between a team representing the United States and an international team representing the rest of the world, minus Europe. Europe competes against the United States in the Ryder the Cup. Ryder Cup. And so yeah, uh, this is supposed to be going back to Charlotte in 2022.
0: Cool. So that's cool that it's here and uh, wow, that what a neat treat to have. This is a piece of of golf history sitting right in front of us, and we're gonna. I just posted a picture of it if you want to see it on our 680 CJOB Instagram story, and I tagged you in it as well, Greg, if you want to add it
1: to yours. But in the
0: meantime, Friday, 9.05, well, it's 9.08 now, but Greg, who do we talk to Fridays just after 9 o'clock?
1: The anchor, the host of Global News Morning, see Monday through Friday, 9, 6 a.m. till 9. I just made that short re- <laughs> show very, very short. On uh, CKND Television with Channel 9, Cable 12, Gabrielle Marchand.
5: Good morning. Happy Friday. How you doing?
1: We're doing great. We can't see your face. So that, you know, and, and, and we're here and you're there. But other than that, spectacular morning. The sun is out, shining upon us. It's going to be a gorgeous day. Why aren't you here with us today?
5: <laughs> I want to be. I want to be. I was asking what the food's like. That's what I want to know. I know you guys are worried about golf, but how's the food over there? Because I love golf course food.
0: Well, I they had a breakfast buffet, so I think uh, it was funny. The tournament chair was right in front of me, and he kind of looked at me funny when he saw how, just how many eggs I took. I think I took half of the bucket <laughs> of eggs. So, yeah, it was just a typical breakfast fare. Bacon, sausage patties, eggs, some some shredded hash browns. It was delightful, and uh, we might have to stick around here and uh, have some lunch because you're right, golf courses do typically have great food. So uh, one of the things we were talking about, this week is um, things that dumb us down, and you say that the internet is dumbing you down. Why is that?
5: Yeah, because I, I, you know how just you get so distracted. You'll be doing one thing, and then suddenly you're like, oh, I need to Google this, and then you stop doing it, and then you're doing another thing. Also, I, I was saying I use Google Maps for everything. I've lived in Winnipeg for six years. And I know how to get to my places, you know, my favorite pizza places, my favorite alcohol places, a couple of friends' homes. But other than that, I, I rely on a GPS for everything. And uh, I was reading an article yesterday, actually, in The Guardian with this um, brain specialist who wrote a book and talked about how to have a better memory and how you should really be concerned about it as you get older. And he talked about focusing on tasks. And I started to get panicky. I was like, I forget things. I'm 32 and I'm continually forgetting things and misplacing things and not staying on track. So there you go.
1: Alcohol places. I want more details <laughs> at a later date. Dying and lost arts. Uh, do you know how to drive a standard transmission-equipped vehicle,
5: Gabby? No, no, I don't unfortunately. I wish I did. I think it's a great skill. And then you know what? If an emergency happens and you can only drive stick that that's an important thing but uh I had someone try to teach me once uh he abandoned that effort very quickly and understandably so because I you know herky-jerky it was like herky-jerky around the parking lot uh uh-uh. Uh, 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 with the, the sound, the story's coming out wrong. You know what I mean. <laughs> wow. I was thinking it was sounding pretty good to me. <laughs> I mean that the car was starting and stopping oh, and starting all around the parking lot. So yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna retire now. Goodbye, everyone.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the movies and TV shows that taught taught us. Uh, life lessons. And you, th- this, I'm just seeing your email now, Gabby. Uh, the Count of
5: Monte Cristo? Yeah, yeah. It is a great, great movie. And it's based on a book, of course, a classic, a literature classic. And here's the thing in this movie and book, this Count ex- exacts his revenge very slowly. Basically, he has this grudge. I won't, I, I'm not going to ruin it. But he is upset, very upset about something, and he slowly builds up his revenge, like a life-destroying revenge. And it's so well-planned. It is so perfect in how it's executed. But then at the end, he realizes what's really important is like family and having the ones you love. So that's kind of, you know, when somebody messes with you and you're like, I wanna destroy you. (laughs) The, The best thing you can do is live your best life. And that's revenge in itself. That, that's kind of what I took away from that. This was very long-winded. Clearly, it's Friday. But you know what? If somebody messes with you, just make your life better, and that will be your best revenge.
1: The Count of Monte Cristo was originally published in January of 1846 and you're worried worried about spoilers marchand <laughs> no i think Maybe. i think <laughs> if you haven't read it by now and that's a spoiler for you You I mean that's your problem that's not gabby's problem that's that, that's what i'm gonna say here hey uh gabby what about therapeutic tasks like i've discovered it's actually oc detailing on instagram <laughs> And so that's very clever because the, the gentleman in Europe who details these vehicles, he goes even to the length of taking a toothpick. And cleaning out all the gunk in between the cracks in your yes. console and and all the different places on your dashboard using q-tips and and sponge paint brushes just these uh, different tools so i embarked on a little bit of a detailing project of my own earlier this week and i couldn't believe how therapeutic it was how rewarding it was just to get all the gunk and the dirt and the dust and all the crumbs and everything out of my car and by the time i was finished Oh my gosh! One of the boys said, "Dad, it looks like a brand new car. Oh. Have you got anything that 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 is therapeutic like that? That is sort of a chore, but makes you feel better about things."
5: I mean, not really a chore. One, Greg, can you come over to my house this weekend and help me out with my car, please? Please. <laughs> sir? I've seen the
1: inside of your car. That is not happening. <laughs>
5: fair enough touche well i would say baking not that that's really a chore but i find it so therapeutic and then you get to eat right it's like a spoon for me a spoon for the baking a spoon for me a spoon for the baking and then you enjoy it afterwards this week i was feeling anxious and i went out and i bought a thing of pudding a thing of sweetened condensed milk a thing of cookies and a thing of whipped cream and stay with me here you make the pudding you soak the cookies in the pudding you throw some whipped cream on top Stick it in the fridge. Easiest dessert. It gets all sort of cake-like, the cookies. And then I no longer had anxiety, and I ate half a pan of pudding delight.
6: <laughs>
0: Where's ours? I don't I, remember getting any of that.
5: You know what? I'm sorry, because I was eating it straight from there. You'd have so many germs from me. You wouldn't want <laughs> a bread. I'll make you one.
0: Okay, it sounds delightful and very creative and crafty. So well done, Gabrielle Marchand, the host, the anchor of Global News Morning weekdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Always a pleasure, our weekly gab with Gabby. Thank you, Gabrielle.
5: You guys stay safe out there, have fun, and uh, see you in a bit.
1: All right. Are are the dishes done? Because I think Brett would find it therapeutic to to wash the dishes. (laughs) I won't detail your car, but Brett might do the dishes for you.
0: I like doing dishes.
5: I'll throw some in my sink for you. I'll, I'll 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 drink some wine and I'll leave some wine glasses there. You can take care of those.
0: All right, we'll do. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off. She's back on Monday. We are broadcasting live from Southwood Golf and Country Club for the Manitoba Open, which began today at 7.30 after yesterday's washout. And we are live on location until 10 o'clock. The whole team was here yesterday uh, right through until 6 o'clock, but uh, back in the studio after 10. And uh, Greg and I might hang around here for a little bit. Maybe we'll go see what's going on at the, uh, the party hole in the 17th hole. That should be fun. But uh, right now, we want to talk about something um, that's, quite frankly, uh, down the street. So I promise this isn't just me cherry-picking everything that has to do with my beloved neighborhood.
1: I can back you up on that, because I, in fact, booked this interview.
0: So I was happy to see it. But, uh, yeah, so listen, we know that our city is facing some challenges at the moment. Some parts of our city are seeing increased Storefront vacancies, increased crime, and look, if we're being honest, an uphill battle to recover from the pandemic. There are no magic solutions to these issues. One neighborhood, part of the city where I live, is working to regain
1: its former glory. Yeah, Osborne Village, if you hadn't figured it out already, has been on a bit of a roller coaster over the last five ten years the face of the village has changed I, I don't think there's any arguing that the construct of the neighborhood is evolving one thing that is for sure more and more people are and will be calling the vid- village home over the next five to ten years and Lindsay summers is the executive director of the osborne village biz joins us now on the start good morning Lindsay and welcome back
6: good morning nice to chat with you guys
1: well, we know you're working hard to invite people from across the city and the province to rediscover, in your words, Osborne Village. What are you doing this weekend?
6: Yeah, so uh, we've been working really hard in the neighborhood to spruce it up, add public art, add new spaces for everyone to gather, and uh, yeah, so we've been part we partnered with Gas Station Art Center to add programming all day long tomorrow for a community celebration and sidewalk sale. So we've got live music, dance battles. Drag comedy, kids programming, cartoons, clowns, all happening tomorrow uh, throughout our community spaces.
0: So the village has seemingly endless residential development occurring. Like, as I've, I moved back to Osborne Village in 2019, and since I've been there, there's always been something being built. Um, does this create, is that, a, like, is that a, a, are there any challenges? associated with that ongoing can consistent residential development?
6: Well, I, I think that the strength of Osborne Village is our density. You know, we already have 13,000 people in a two-square-kilometer radius, and um, that's part of why people are attracted to live in Osborne Village, because within a 10- to 15-minute walk, you can essentially get every single thing you need. Uh, and so we're really excited to see these further investments into the neighborhood, because we know that people want to live in Osborne Village, and these new developments will also increase our retail sector because they'll have uh, retail spaces at the main floor uh, because the neighbourhood is in demand. We've actually had 20 new businesses open since March 2020 in Osborne Village. And so, you know, these urban, dense neighbourhoods made for people, walkable to downtown, bikeable to downtown, are, are where people are looking to, um, to live. You know, as we you know build cities for the future, we know that Osborne Village has all those key ingredients that people are looking for.
1: You touched on it just a tiny bit, Lindsay. I want you to expand, if you can, on placemaking as part of this strategy of of making Osborne Village, uh, you know, taking it to this next generation, if you like. I understand you're creating new spaces for people to discover even this weekend.
6: Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, taking a... The first steps we think to building a community is to make it inviting, make it a comfortable place to be, make it inspiring and beautiful and clean. And so we've been working really hard. So we've had two we've had two new spaces that we've unveiled this summer. Uh, we take a we took a vacant alley fronting right onto Osborne Street, and we uh, put public art. We worked with Synonym Art Consultation to do a large mural on one wall. We have local village resident and designer Joe Kalternick, who famously designed the Raw Almond restaurant on the river. He designed a bright yellow patio installation and then we have bright pink picnic tables in that alley and that's a community patio for everyone to enjoy all summer long. Uh, You know, grab your takeout lunch, coffee, do some work, read, and that's a space for our community um, because we know we want to connect. And then the other space that we developed is at the Bell Tower, which is at Stradbrook and Osborne. And that actually was an existing stage and, and seating area that wasn't being used. And uh, so we worked with Cool Streets Winnipeg and did this uh, beautiful paint project. It's like a can of spilled rainbow paint all over the all over the stage and uh, seating area. And you know, it turns out when you actually clean up the space, take some pride. We've had yoga classes in there, fitness classes. People are spending more time in these community spaces, which is really what we want to see, and, and is the building block to to building a neighborhood again.
0: The bike lane announcement. uh, What's the reaction been to that, that, that there are going to be bike lanes on River, Stradbrook, Wellington Crescent? First of all, I guess, so there are two questions. The first question is, what is the reaction to the bike lane announcement?
6: Yeah, well, by and large, the community itself uh, are people that uh, walk and bike most places. So the community is, is in support. Businesses, you know, we've got some kinks to work out with the city in terms of, you know, loading zones, the construction, and, you know, what are these outcomes? And, and the city's actually been really great. We've been working together to, to identify, you know, how could, we can work together. We do have available paid parking. And where can we move these loading zones and having clear communication? Because we know that. Construction really does impact the bottom line for businesses. And as a representative of the business improvement zone, I have to advocate for our business members to identify opportunities to make it still easy to access these businesses during the construction season and then after um, to figure out how everybody can get their needs met in this community.
0: Do you know, uh, and actually I guess it's going to be three questions because I'm just adding this one in, but do you know (laughs) when those bike lanes go in, Uh, Are we going to lose any parking or even lanes of traffic? Because when they added the bike lanes in the Exchange District, um, you know, a lot of people are unhappy with what was the result of that. So do you know how that's going to look once it's all done?
6: Yeah, there definitely have to be, you know, we only have so much room. So there will be some trade-offs. But uh, what I am doing is I'm looking, uh, working with the city to identify, you know, maybe there's opportunities to open up other parking along Osborne during the day and off-peak hours. Uh, and then in turn increase the pedestrian experience uh, by having you know a slow down of traffic and uh, traffic calming measures that could happen alongside that and so yeah there are a lot of pieces and moving parts but we are in the discussion and engagement process and I'm I'm really happy to be working with businesses together to figure out what the plan is because the other part to this is like studies show that When you have bike lanes, the business actually does go up in the long term. It is better for the economy, the social economy, the health economy, and the business economy. So there are some growing pains as we transition into this, but I'm really quite confident that we can work together uh, to find solutions that actually continue to drive Osborne Village to be the neighborhood for the future
1: so many people pass through osborne village on a daily basis it's part of their commute and i think part of the trick here is to is to make that neighborhood as much for the folks that live work and play there as it is for the people who are just passing through so where does the and i'm going to pick up on i think what was going to be brett's third question this idea of a master plan for osborne village i i would guess that's overdue but thrilled to hear you're you're undertaking it Lindsay.
6: Yeah, yeah, we're really excited to uh, have the opportunity to have a longer vision for Osborne Village. We haven't done that uh, in a long time. So we're gathering all information from our residents, businesses, and anybody in Winnipeg, really, to take part in the master plan to tell us what Osborne Village, uh, what the what their priorities and the direction for the future is. Uh, because we haven't taken a step back and identified, you know, what are the key pieces we need to build this neighborhood. So with this information, we can really strategize and, and work with all levels of government to make a plan for the future, because even looking at the bike lanes, it's really clear that that connection to downtown, that bridge uh, between Fort Rouge Park and McFadden Park isn't, isn't, isn't on the table yet. And that's a key piece to connecting, actually, the bike infrastructure to downtown. So that's something that we're looking at and, and, and really championing to, to figure out a path forward that actually makes uh, all these connections viable and, uh, you know, helps the economy and uh, the direction of the energy of the neighborhood, too.
0: So once again, for tomorrow, the event, you partnered with the Gas Station Arts Centre. Tomorrow's event, community event, what time does it start?
6: We're kicking it off with the land acknowledgement at 11.30 at the River and Osborne Circle. And then uh, from 12 to 5, we have programming throughout our key spaces. Uh, we've got uh, select stores are going to be spilling out to the streets and courtyards with a sidewalk sale. And, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of energy and action happening tomorrow. And it's just it's time to come and walk around Osborne Village and, and rediscover
1: Lindsay Summers, the Executive Director of the Osborne Village Biz. Thank you, Lindsay. Your energy is palpable. I know your heart is into this, and I think that makes a, a great deal of difference when, when when leadership is passionate about a project, passionate about the, the part of the city that they represent on any level. So we appreciate you making time for us.
6: Oh, Thanks so much for having me.